We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. It is Tristan with Nerdette's New Stand, and you are watching the third installment of my conversation with Liana K. Now, the other two will be in the pinned comment, along with links in the description to check her out. Make sure you check out the other one. There is one more coming. Enjoy the video. A lot of this craziness, you know, the He-Man thing, for example, Calling someone a liar requires evidence. Yes. Lying is not merely being mistaken. Lying is not being unspecific or making a dumb joke you didn't think anyone would take literally. Lying is a premeditated falsehood. It is a deliberate deception. You have to prove that claim. And I kept saying to people, prove to me Kevin Smith knowingly lied and nothing i saw i know from the evidence that provided and... met that burden and if people just had to prove their claims i really think the discourse would be better a lot of that he-man thing was just creator terms versus layman's terms for certain technical things like what it means as a redesign what it means in terms of we're not you know when he said we're not uh, race swapping or gender swapping any of the characters from the original cartoon. Well, they didn't. Andra was in a comic book. Right. She wasn't in the original cartoon. Um, most people don't go back and read all the stuff from all the things, right? And there was no standardization in those old books anyway. I have them all. I have one where Tila's got a purple snakehead instead of an orange one. Um, you know, there a guy like Kevin Smith who comes in as executive producer, he's handled he's handed a show Bible that's prepared by somebody else. Right. He may not even know it. I practically guarantee you he didn't know who the hell Andrew was. Right. Um, and then there's the whole he's not a fan thing. He never claimed to be, right? He there was he probably, some in the media saying he was a fan, but then he was just like well, he's kind definitely of. a fan now. Like, yeah, he's exactly. a fan of what he saw. But, I mean, it's like you missed some of the Marvel movies. You came back and you you watched them. You know, you, you watch Guardians of the Galaxy now. There could very well be an old tweet from back in the day where you checked out. You'd say, I'm not a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, but, hey, exactly. Drax's tattoos are cool. That doesn't mean you didn't go back and watch it afterwards and go, oh, shit, this is a bomb, right? Like, <laughs> come on. You can you can make your criticisms about that show without leveling unfounded accusations at somebody who's minding his own fucking business and making stuff. Pardon my language. Right. And that we need these we need these basic ground rules, because let's face it, the minute you do that. Right. You have to accept that. Well, if those rules apply to you then your opponents can do it to you, yep, right? Exactly. If you're allowed to make unfounded claims, well, so are the people you don't like. And what drives me batshit about this whole thing is 
isn't that exactly what the fan bases are complaining about? That they're made out to be these evil basement dwelling pond scum constructs and aren't real human beings. Yep. Well, don't stoop to that level. You'll never win that way. But you'll never win that argument either. No. And that's and, and that's really unfortunate because when I first came out in favor of, you know, I review a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I reviewed Loki. I reviewed He-Man. I reviewed Stargirl. I, I, I love superheroes in general. I love He-Man. Right. So I reviewed E-Man and I, all I had known about was the initial tweet. I'm not on Twitter. I don't right. do that kind of cesspoolic drama. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. I like that. I've, cesspoolic. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. And all I found was that original tweet. Everything yeah. in that was wrong. Yeah. Like there was much more queer quoting in the original. There was a lot of, a lot. <laughs> a lot. That wasn't even coded, man. They were named not at all. So and, re- and that was that was totally unintentional, which was what makes it so funny, right? You have a main character in lilac tights with his friends, Man at Arms, Fisto, and Ram Man, who <laughs> exactly. you could probably assemble as some sort of proxy as a village people, and it was not deliberately gay coded. Yeah, fuck sure. me, right? <laughs> like, oh my frigging god! Like, um, that's why I don't understand why people got so bent. I, I, I didn't see gay coding in Masters of the Universe. There are a couple times, like Tila slings her arm around Andra uh, or Andra. Um, that to me doesn't that's nothing different than i would do to a friend of mine me either and i admit you know it makes me uncomfortable um thinking that if i show physical affection to somebody they're going to take that as sexual and not just affectionate exactly right there needs to be but then two weeks before that they were talking about how the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They were just bros. Okay. You can't have it one way, but say the exact opposite about a very similar situation. I just feel like I can't fucking win. I'm on the wrong side of every single one, right? Because I actually agreed with Anthony Mackie on that one that I, I do think. I mean, okay. The way I read that is Bucky's totally into Sam. Sam is oblivious. That's valid, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's where it ends. I uh, Sam Wilson is straight. And I thought he's such a great Captain America like that cap speech at the end was a great was cap so speech. And all everybody's arguing about the gay coding and then my Twitter started blowing up about the bisexual sky in loki and i'm like what the fuck are you on (laughs) you're talking about a character who literally turns into a girl what and you know i'm like just fuck off with that because there's one line where he says he's dates some princes and then he proceeds to girl chase for the next four episodes i know but apparently it's woke like and (laughs) and for me i'm like that's patently offensive we'd call that tell don't show um uh uh, 
we used to call it back in the day homoflage. Um, you know, act gay to get points for it, but not do anything about it. Because, you know, it's fine. It's fine for a character to be gay until you actually see them kiss their boyfriend and then everybody freaks out. Right. And, and I never understood that. We still live in that world. I know. And if you get upset about a purple Kellogg's box because it says pride on it. Yeah. That's first world problems. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. And there I should I, be. I have no issue with um, any. I, I never have, though. Yeah. I think that's just how I grew up. But there's no reason. But there is clear tropes about queer baiting and, you know, killing your gays. And well, and you notice they're all villains. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, reform villain Loki. I don't know where they've left that character. The that show is all over the place, but like, it's all the super villains. And uh, come on, Disney, can we please have a gay hero? Yeah, maybe. I mean, okay, Valkyrie, but again, she hasn't done anything about it, right? Yep. They've sort of revealed that character is, is a lesbian i guess but it's not relevant and to me you don't get points for that stuff unless it's relevant to the story exactly right? i'm hoping they change that with eternals though they are there's supposed to be something but you never know and i actually initially when watching loki i thought one of the big reveals because they kept saying you know sylvie they kept saying yeah. she didn't want to say her name. I thought maybe they were going to have it be more of a trans character. Nope, I was wrong there too. They I thought they so were dead many opportunities. They missed I know, so many opportunities I know. in that show. Like, oh <laughs> my God. I was screaming at that show. That's one that I remember I said I have to find a joke before I'll, I'll talk about it. Yes. I'm close to it. Well, the joke on that one is. Um, Marvel Cinematic Universe Karen Sylvie spends the entire show demanding to speak to the manager. <laughs> oh my god, she kind of does. She, I, I she did. her, but yeah. I uh, see I I'm just like first of all see Lady Loki is a sort of very iconic character and I was right. like why did you pick Enchantress 2 when you had the actress that plays Sif who is what Lady Loki looks like, right? Right. Um, I think everybody would have been more cheering on if she could come back and and have that sort of character. My other thing is you've got how many friggin' male variants run around? One woman? One? And that's why I thought they were going with the trans allegory because it would have made it made sense in my head and i'm like this is awesome i'm loving it you know what i mean yeah, and then, then nothing. this whole weird thing about uh, he's a narcissist but he's a cured narcissist but then he fell in love with himself but no he's better now he's like that not i'm like what is this show doing this is so many conflicting i am statements and i really would have preferred it be about trust instead of attraction yeah and that show got so muddled in its themes and i mean the whole problem with all of the thor characters is you know they started with kenneth brana as a director it, nothing has come remotely close to that though taika watiti it's a totally different thing I friggin love that man um 
but yeah, they 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 are sort of that show struck me as we have a character, they're popular, we killed them, we probably shouldn't have. We need a way into the multiverse. Let's make six episodes, right? Yep. And then they needed to make a story. And so, like, we'll do Doctor Who, but now we need and we're back to right, the mom, the dad, the daughter, the son, right? they shoehorn this mom character in right when yep. mom doesn't need a girl <laughs> character mom's watching for loki sorry guys yeah, like yeah, come on that tom hiddleston has made a mullet work for 10 fucking years that is charisma <laughs> right there i think um, in every single one of my reviews i'm like i watched it because tom Hiddleston. oh and loki yeah totally this is the plot this is what happened but tom hiddleston you guys well okay the guy <laughs> bless that man he does hair flips and his hair is so sprayed down his hair doesn't move but his tie does and every time he did it i laughed and it's so charming but the energy in that show was all off because he had such great chemistry with owen wilson yeah right? he did and then that disappears for two episodes where we get this blonde chick asking to speak to the manager and i i just felt so repelled by this is a character they put in to appeal to women. They don't understand their show. The character <laughs> that appeals to women is the guy whose name is on the show, right? Just let him be charming and, and kind of dastardly. We're good. I would have been totally happy with a buddy comedy. And oh, yeah. like that episode where it was all of them and the alligator drinking box wine and Richard E. Grant and the classic costume and everything like that. That to me is what that show should have been. And they that was were so, so great. They were so locked into that Disney formula that they they couldn't get their arms around what that show was supposed to be. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's still on the whole enjoyable. Like I I had to take some time and, and make my jokes and then stop and go, no, that overall it wasn't a bad show those episodes you know those two just kill the the momentum episodes in the middle where they're walking around with pink sky holding hands and complaining about their costumes being uncomfortable like that that was such a <laughs> stupid that was a stupid in-joke moment they should have nixed because you're fucking conjurers you can make clothes why are yep. you wearing clothes that are uncomfortable yeah, like what the I didn't hell? even you think can, about that. That's hilarious. You can do goddamn magic. What's wrong with you? Right? Dress yourself, woman. It was supposed to be like this empowering, smart woman line, but it was, you know, the 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 writer was, the head writer was a, was a guy. And to me, you can always tell. Because to me, an empowered woman wears clothes that are comfortable. Yeah. Because who's she friggin' dressing for? Nobody. Why is she wearing uncomfortable clothes? It's dumb. Right. That's yep. not empowering. <laughs> yes. Right. And like I come at this with and I think I'm sensitive to this because I spent many, many years writing male characters. Right. And as a woman, you have to not sound like a girl when you're writing men. Now, fortunately, because of my socialization, I don't have a problem with that. But when I went back to TV and started doing comedy and, you know, I always say uh, assigned female as opposed to woman, right? Because I don't think like a traditional woman. Like, what is right. speaking like a girl, thinking like a girl? Oh, if I figured that out, 
my teen years would have been much easier. Um, you know, but you know, I remember the first time the camera came in when I when I was doing the the TV show and and I went to open my mouth and realized I don't know how to speak as me anymore. I'd been writing for male characters and it's like, you know, yep, bustier, corset, can't talk like a guy, got to find a new character voice here. And you know, when when you do it and you put the work in and then you see lines that are that are just lazy and it, it's clearly like nobody went through it and went an empowered woman wouldn't say that yeah you know like um the, the there's a lot of stuff in the marvel universe that's just faux empowerment instead of real empowerment um, to me, the most empowering movies, like super female superhero thing is still that scene in the first Wonder Woman movie where Wonder Woman's holding the shield and everybody's like behind her going across, you know, no man's oh, land. No man's land. Oh, yeah. That and gets fact, me every time. The fact that it's a shield and not a sword, right, is just so cool. And apparently Patty Jenkins had to fight for that. DC hated it. Oh, Wow. I, I mean, I'm not surprised if they were yeah. going to listen to their fans, they would have done it long ago. But yeah, even but so, it, like, I, yeah, that seems logical to me. But I'm also coming from a female mindset. Right. Yeah. And I mean, so there's just so many things that, like, they, like, the, the, the opposite to that. Do you watch The Mandalorian? No. I watched the first season only because I had never seen any Star Wars my subscribers were telling me about it. You'd never so, seen any Star Wars? No, oh, no. that show must have made no sense to you. It made zero sense. So okay, I made them all yeah, up nicknames and I just pretended like they were people they weren't. That's not where you start. <laughs> no, because it's all callbacks. Why did they tell you to start with The Mandalorian? I don't know. I, they were just like, this cool new show's on. I'm like, I'm going to check it out. I'll review it. And I'm like, so the guy with the helmet yeah, I know baby. <laughs> we're just gonna call him Baby Yoda's dad. Like <laughs> it was so bad. Oh my god. Cause that like I quite liked the Bryce Dallas Howard directed uh episode of The Mandalorian when they went to that, you know, society that fished for like the blue oh, yeah. type things. And they had um, the big uh transformer guy. Right, right. At the end, and they, you know, very Star Wars thing. They beat the big machine with sticks. That's it's a callback to Return of the Jedi. But Bryce Dallas Howard, um, I think that's her name. The woman from um the Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, that's her. Yep. Yeah. Ron Howard's daughter. She directed that. And I thought that was an example of an episode of television that just had tiny little feminine touches that were absolutely appropriate. Cause it was more of that, you know, the gunslinger rides into the town and falls for this local woman, but you know, he's just passing through. So they have a very platonic moment and then he rides on. Um, that's a standard Western thing. It's usually very masculine, but they put a nice little feminine edge on it through her directing. And I'm like that, that worked for me, right? There, there are certain things that having more than one woman in a room when you're doing these creative things, it's very important. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, especially it's like if if you and I went into a meeting, it would be brilliant because we're coming at so many things from different ways. If we could find plot points and character things that appealed to both of us, that's the money. Yep. And it's doable. You just can't do that if you've only got one female writer at any given time. Exactly. Because you can only appeal to her sensibilities. You've got to be able to appeal. And that's why I talk about on my channel a lot is diversity of thought is such yeah. a big, it, it's such a big deal, whether it's in my little niche of comics or something yeah. like The Mandalorian. You have to have different perspectives because nobody ever is going to be able to say they've lived the same life as me or you. Well, we all have different lived experiences. We all tend to be different. Well, here's the internalized misogyny thing again, too, right? Like, would anyone think for a second that any single man could tell you what all men want? Oh, absolutely not. Of course not. So why do they assume one woman can tell you, you know, what women want? Yeah. And, exactly. And, you know, unfortunately, we get when I get hired on certain gigs as a diversity consultant, I won't do that anymore. It's like you hire me as a narrative director. I'm not doing diversity consulting because they usually just want a rubber stamp. Right. Uh -huh. And yep. it's a very it's a very frustrating process because they'll come in and they'll want yes, no answers. And you can't give them those. Right. I said, yep. I can tell you who you will appeal to with this character and who you will kind of piss off with this character. But I can't tell you whether that's good or not. You have to decide, is this the market you're going for? Is this the type of player you want to attract? You know, um, okay, you've got this character who starts off as a deliberate stereotype. Some, but some people will not follow you to find out she's not a stereotype. That's not me saying don't do it. Right. right? I keep telling the reality of it. Yeah. I personally find the, you know, those, those sorts of switcheroos interesting. Uh, deconstructing of tropes. They want good, bad. They don't want that kind of nuance. And it's really frustrating because it perpetuates these things that, oh, women are never satisfied or women viewers don't know what they want. And, you know, we want women. And I'm like, that's great. Do you walk in a room and say we want men? No, you say you want 18 to 24, you know, 18 to 24 white male or 25 to 54 black Hispanic male. You break men down into different demographics, even yep. po in even politics, right? It's non-college educated whites, college educated whites, black, and so on and so forth. And then you hear about women. We're half the fucking population. <laughs> like, shit, man. Like, and, and this is the stuff that's just so stupid, but that's how things like, you know, tropes versus women catch. Because they offer answers that are direct, binary, seemingly simple, and fucking wrong. But they're binary, right? Exactly. And so people are like, oh, damsel in distress is bad. I understand that. And I'm like, no, a damsel in distress is not bad. A damsel in distress was a shorthand for somebody that couldn't possibly have done anything wrong. You know your bad guy is bad because, you know, 
it's not somebody he kidnapped because they tried to kill him first. Like it's not enemy combatants. It's this poor, pretty little girl in a pink dress that couldn't hurt a fly means no harm to anybody. She's an embodiment of virtue. Exactly. Not an object. Exactly. Right. And I, I don't think that people should totally toss out those sorts of tropes. Right. I think that there is a place for them. Think about them more. I mean, that that's pretty much what I did with my boss fight series. Right. The damsel in distress is the hero in boss fight. Like Princess right. Sparkle Muffin started as a one off on Lady Bits and now she's having her own adventure. <laughs> right. That was the whole point. It's how do we tell a story where the damsel in distress doesn't doesn't change. You know, she doesn't get the Tila hair. Right. She doesn't suddenly pick up a sword. <laughs> She's still her. She's still froofy dress McFree with singy song, right? How does she win? How does she defeat enemies? How does she solve problems? And so while we're talking about the myths in gaming, I'm actually telling a story that's using, using a trope, using like the worst trope in gaming, according to, you know, feminist frequency and anybody who watched that, using it to show no, these characters are still viable and you can tell a really interesting story where she goes through like a drinking problem and, and then she ends up in a magical realm where she befriends small furry animals and then she has to take on a very large furry animal uh, that, you know, they defeat with kittens and Neapolitan ice cream um, and so on and so forth. You You create limitations for yourself to tell a different kind of story. Right. You can't do that if you're going trope inherently bad. There's no such thing as an evil trope. Right. Tropes right. are just shorthands. They're heuristics. They're they're ticks. Right. And, and that's exactly what I, I think I've tried to drill home. You know, when yeah. it comes to all these characters with different, you know, these are Kamala Khan, we hate her. Well, you, really? You, well, yeah, kind of. Really? <laughs> well, the yeah, the, a lot of the new care, the new um, maybe my audience is a little different for comic book readers. But when you know, all new, all different Marvel took over, it was a lot of hate for Kamala Khan, and, and kind of Miles was the one that everyone liked. So they're not. There's never a bad character. There's only bad writing, and just because you like this, you didn't like this version of it. You might like this one. You got to learn to kind of pick and choose. It's, and also, it's also matching the hero to the story. Right. Exactly. Right? Like Miles Morales, I thought, took a while to kind of find his feet as a character. It was a cool suit design and they gave him the extra powers. But I didn't know who he was for a it while. felt like Peter Parker for a while, 2.0 to me. Well, it was Brian Michael Bendis trying <laughs> to write a black yeah. Hispanic guy. And quite frankly, that just that just bothered me, you know, like I think it, it was because of his kids. But yeah, it, it, it was. And there's a there's a huge Hispanic market for Spider-Man. Right. Um, the ins the insomniac Miles Morales Spider-Man game is great. He's yeah, absolutely. Great in the in the original base Spider-Man game, they figured out who he was. I don't think characters like Kamala Khan get that space to grow. No, especially way. when they're using sort of deceptive promise 
our practices in comics anyways when it's very at comics in this in this to yeah. boost sales and then they realize by issue six there's only so much selling and they kind of have to reboot things they don't ever get a chance to really stretch out their feet and actually get good character growth like we got right. with maybe jessica cruz because she was able to yeah, no, it, it, um, I don't know why they don't start characters as secondary characters in another book and then spin them off. Yeah, right? absolutely. I, I don't know why they, because they're still in this belief that covers sell comic books and they don't anymore. Um, especially since we switched to wordless covers. Uh, we're not in a spec market anymore. It's digital downloads. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> come on. No, you read a comic because you read about it or somebody recommended it. Um, and yeah, I don't know why they don't like this is what I think they should be doing with um you know, with the DC properties and the Marvel properties with a TV show or anything like that. Start a new character as a supporting character, the way sort of Wolverine appeared in, uh, you know, the, a Hulk comic. Yeah. And when they catch on, amazing. The same way, you know, Miles Morales was sort of the sidekick Spider-Man and, and then he branched off into his own thing and everybody loves him because you got to know him in his own story. You know, the whole thing with his dad being a cop and yeah. that took some shit when the game came out. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, that you're was actually, so silly. You're actually forcing a young black character to choose between being from a family full of cops and being black. Like really, we're still there really. <laughs> um, but you know, they, they really don't, they don't give these characters an opportunity to grow. And it, it it's mostly because characters get that chance when you get a name like Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Right. Exactly. He, he will, his name on a book will give it that growth. Now, the problem with that is, you know, Jeff Johns, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else whose name Zach is Snyder. Zack Snyder. Yeah. They all have a very similar mindset. I mean, the Stargirl show, fucking amazing. I'm oh, so, so good. Good for Jeff Johns. So good. But of course, it was only allowed to be good because it's based on his dead sister. Yeah. Right. He's not he's not going to allow them to muck with it. If you made it this far in the video, thank you so much. And a huge thank you to Liana K. Now, make sure you are subscribed with notifications on. There will be a part two and three and four coming up. And you don't want to miss it. I will see you in the next Ask the Experts. Bye bye.